You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. About six years ago, Ash and I and our family, we were living in Richmond, Virginia, and we decided to go on this massive, epic road trip uh, with our four small kids. And the four small kids point is, is really important. So at this point, they were six, four, two, and zero. Zero. Ashley's holding the, the zero right there. Um, she was six months. And so we decided to do this massive East Coast road trip. And if you've ever been in that stage of life, you know that it's like brave to take those kids to the grocery store. Uh, but we decided, hey, we're going to go from Richmond, and we're going to go to Richmond to D.C., to Pittsburgh, which is awesome if you haven't been, uh, from Pittsburgh to Buffalo, New York. We're going to see Niagara Falls. We're going to go across the top of New York, go to Vermont, New Hampshire. We met up with some friends in New Hampshire, went to Maine, uh, did the beach in, in Maine, and lobster rolls and stuff. Came back down to Boston and then back home. It was like two weeks of just Air B and B chaos. And if you guys have ever done Airbnb, I mean, you probably hit like a, if, if you're good and you do the research, you might hit like a 70% clip of, of, of being a good Airbnb. I think we're about 50-50 on that trip. And uh, it was rough. It was chaos. And on the leg between Pittsburgh and Buffalo, we met up with some friends that were living in Pennsylvania. And they said, hey, you've got to take this other route. Bypass the interstate, the most effective route and add 30 minutes to your trip and you can ride along Lake Erie and it's beautiful and you'll have the lake on one side and all these rolling hills and wineries on the right side of the road. And it's beautiful and it's totally worth it. And Ashley looked at me and was like, I don't think we should do that. And I was like, I think we should. I think it's a good idea. And so we did it. And the caveat was is that the person giving us the estimated time uh, was way off. It was not an extra 30 minutes. It was like an extra hour and a half, two hours. And that might not seem like a big deal to you without small children. But for us, we had about a 40-minute fuse. And we went an hour and a half, two hours longer than we needed to. So we go along, we see the route, we see the scenery, and we're getting like an hour from Buffalo, and, I can, and the kids are done. And they're melting down and melting down, and it's like a domino effect. It's like just chaos in the car. And I look over, and there's like steam coming out of Ashley's ears. She's just furious, and she has given me the business, and she's right. And we get to Buffalo finally. We're starving, and I'm like, hey, we're in Buffalo. You know what they're famous for? Buffalo wings. We should go get some buffalo wings. And Ashley's like, but I want tacos. And we got tacos. Because I know when to fold them, right? You know, you just got to know. Okay, Maybe they got buffalo wing tacos. I don't know. So we got tacos. So that was that, that leg of the trip. And if I look back on the whole experience, the, the, the whole two weeks, amazing, incredible, millions of meltdowns, but worth it. But if you were to ask me, hey, Tommy, was that beautiful drive around Lake Erie in the wineries worth it? I would say absolutely not. It was awful. The view was not worth it. We saw beautiful things the entire trip. We didn't need to see an extra thing. It was not worth it. And sometimes life is just like that. Like life gives us detours or we choose detours on our own. Hey, I'm going to take the scenic route. And it just doesn't pan out. It doesn't work out. Sometimes life forces us on detours and it doesn't work out. It just sucks. Sometimes life punches us in the face and it just hurts. It doesn't always 
pan out or work out. It just stinks. We are in the time of year where we set goals for ourselves for what we want to accomplish in this year. We want to read X amount of books or save X amount of money, lose X amount of weight. And often, I think like 80% of people fail at the New Year's resolutions and the goals because they come up with a great plan, but somewhere along the way, life punches them in the face. And Mike Tyson has this great quote, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. That's what life is like. You create a plan, you get punched in the face, and then you figure it out because you don't know where to go from there. I love to say, hey, I'm at point A and I want to get to point B. Let's say I want to save $24,000 this year. If I break that down in chunks, that's $2,000 a month, roughly $500 a week. Great, I have a plan. I'm here, I want to get here. If I just save $500 every week, I'm going to get there. And then like week seven, the transmission in your car explodes. We had a stretch last year from July through September, like every week we had a $500 to $1,000 expense come up out of nowhere. I'm like, what is happening? Like every week, boom, 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 it just crushed us. So we can create a plan. I'm at point A, I want to get to point B, here's the map, but somewhere along the way something happens. We want to lose weight. I want to lose, say, 24 pounds this year, two pounds a month. That's relatively healthy, relatively good. But then and we're living in Louisiana, and Mardi Gras happens, and king cakes are already here. They're already at Sam's Club. So, you know, I got this great plan, lose two pounds a month, and then king cake season happens. And just, you know, we make plans and life punches us in the face. And sometimes we think success is like up into the right straight arrow. We think success looks like the picture on the left. But in reality, it looks like the picture on the right. It's just one step forward, two steps back. It's just chaos. And a lot of times, if I'm being honest, I think life actually looks more like this other picture. It's just the squiggly. It's just the chaos. There is no arrow. We're just in the thick of it and we can't see a way out to the other side. We're just stuck in the wilderness. Now in the Old Testament, there's a book called the Book of Numbers, and it's the one you probably never read really much because it's kind of tedious and kind of boring. But the Book of Numbers uh, takes place right after Moses uh, led the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt, and he was beginning to lead them towards the Promised Land. Now, we call the book of Numbers the book of Numbers because of the censuses, the census, I don't, I don't know what the plural is. They took a census of the people periodically to count the population. So we call it the book of Numbers because they were keeping track of how many people were in, were in each tribe as they traveled from Egypt to the Promised Land. So we call it the book of Numbers. But the original title for the book was In the Wilderness because that's what the story actually is. It's the period of time when Israel was in the wilderness, they were in the middle. They were no longer in slavery in Egypt, but they, and they were trying to go towards the promised land. Um, but they weren't in the promised land yet. They were kind of stuck in the middle in the wilderness. And the Israelites absolutely hated it. They hated the in-between space. This is like, like I just turned 40. And that's, that's it's been a thing for me. For some of you guys, it may not be a thing. It's been a thing for me where I feel like maybe I'm an adult now, I don't know. And where I'm, I'm not who I used to be, like there was this younger version of me that was something, and now I'm in this in-between space of what I'm becoming for the latter half of my life, but I'm still kind of in the in-between and I hate it, because it's just, it's uncertain. That's what the book of Numbers is. That's what in the wilderness is. Israel, they're no longer slaves in Egypt, but they're not quite yet their own nation. They're just in this in-between and they hate it. And they grumble and they complain 
I would use other language here. You guys, you know, they are just not stoked about the situation. They're constantly griping to each other, to Moses, and to God. And often, they're like, we liked life better in Egypt than this. We preferred to be slaves in Egypt to what we have now. We want to go back to that rather than what we have now. We prefer the predictability of slavery to the uncertainty of the future. And I can relate so much to that because there's so many times that I've left something behind that was hard. Uh, that was a, a poison for my soul. I left it behind. And there's times like, man, it actually felt easier back there. I prefer the predictability of that thing that's killing me to the uncertainty of what lies ahead. Israel wanted to go back. Israel's response while in the wilderness is what kept them in the wilderness for so long. It should have been an 11-day hike. Let's round that up to two weeks. Let's say that some of them have four kids, six and under, and let's round it up to two months. It's, it's only a 30-minute extra <laughs> scenic route. We're taking the scenic route. It's two months for the scenic route. It should have taken them two months max. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. They got stuck. They couldn't get out of it. They couldn't find their way out of it. And that can happen to us too. We can stay stuck. Maybe we're on a detour that should have taken two months and we've been in it for 20 years. We've been stuck in it because of our complaint, our bitterness, our entitlement, our nostalgia. We just stay stuck in the middle of it longer than it needs to be. Now that's not to say that there aren't things in life that just are hard and painful. There are times that life punches you in the face and it just hurts. It's not to say those things don't exist. But sometimes we might make them hurt too much for too long by how we respond to it. Israel should have been in and out of that joker in two months, and it took them 40 years. They kept drudging along in their complaint, in their bitterness, in their entitlement, and in their nostalgia for slavery. They wanted to keep looking back. So when we get stuck in our own wilderness, what does it look like? How do we navigate the wilderness? I'll give you some bullet points. I'm a, I'm a good, I come from the Southern Baptist world, so I like to have my bullet points. Okay, guys, this is how I... How I roll. But the first point I say is don't complain. When you complain, you become an effect in your own life. And here's what I mean by that. You know, you know the idea of cause and effect? Something uh, creates an effect, right? You have the cause, you have the effect. When we complain, we become the sum total of the different things happening in our life. We become the result of outside forces. We become an effect in our own life. When we, when we complain, we become the victim in our own story. We rob ourselves of our own power and responsibility and ownership in our life. You are relinquishing power over your life when you complain. We have to learn how to move from being an effect of our life to becoming a cause in it, to take ownership and responsibility. When you complain, you are giving other people and other circumstances too much power in your life. Once again, it's not that hard things don't happen, but when we complain, we multiply the hardness of it. We drag people into our negativity and we stay in this cycle of bitterness, in this cycle of negativity. So when we complain, we multiply the impact of the negative thing that happened to us. We move from being uh, in charge of our life to being just victims of the circumstances. So learn to, to manage your complaints. Secondly, don't dwell in the past. It bonkers me that Israel's like, we want to go back to Egypt. 
We preferred to be making bricks and under the whip of the Egyptian overlords. We want to go back there. That blows my mind. But here's the thing also with, with the story is like, they can't go back. The last time they hung out with Egypt, the Egyptian armies were chasing them, trying to kill them all, and then got swept up in the Red Sea. They're not going to go back and be like, hey guys, we're back. Can we get our old jobs back? Like, it didn't end well with Egypt. There's nothing for them to go back to. And I feel like so often in our lives, we look back on how things used to be. Like, man, I really wish we could go back to that thing. Like, there's nothing to go back to. You can't go back to the past. Don't dwell or reminisce in the past. You have to, to move forward. The only way to get uh, out of the wilderness is to go through it. There's no going back. The only way out is through. Third, eat the bird. But you're probably, what the heck is that point about? Okay. When Israel was in the wilderness, God provided manna from heaven every day. And when I picture manna from heaven, I picture the golden corral, specifically those honey rolls with the honey butter you spread on. And I'm like, if God's dropping those things from the sky every day, sign me up. I can eat that three meals a day, every day, all year. I'm good for it. Whatever your, whatever your pastry of choice might be, picture that. That's what God's dropping cinnamon rolls from the sky. And you're just like, I just got to catch that thing and eat it. Like, that sounds amazing. Israel was mad. Like, Paul Hollywood's just dropping pastries on us. And I'm mad. Because I'm, I'm used to my fish soup back in Egypt. That's what I'm saying. Like, can we go back and get our fish soup? Like, bro, it's cinnamon rolls dropping from the sky. And so they complain about it. Like, can we get some meat, please? And God's like, yeah, okay. Here's some wind. Here's 18 million quail falling down on you. It's kind of weird. But there's quail now. There's cinnamon rolls and there's birds. And they're like, but we want the fish soup. And God's like, all right, guys, I've had enough. So what would I say? Eat the bird. If you're on month three of quail, and you're like, man, I'm sick of quail, get some hot sauce. If you guys ever seen Forrest Gump, Bubba, that dude can make like 300,000 versions of shrimp. Get Bubba in your camp and like, dude, what are we going to do with this quail? We're going to fry it. We're going to make some soup. We're getting some wings, buffalo wings finally. Like, what are we, what's happening here? Figure out how to eat the quail. Eat the bird. A miracle is happening every day in front of Israel. And they're not blown away. Cinnamon rolls are falling from the sky and they're like, we miss fish soup. So many times in our lives, we, we, we get stuck on what we had, maybe what we've lost and we don't understand the miracle of every day. We get like bored or frustrated with the, the mundaneness of day-to-day -day life. And what the book of Numbers is telling us is be blown away by the miracle of the mundane. Even if it's quail for the sixth month in a row, a freaking quail fell down from the sky onto your lap to eat. You should probably cook it, but that's a miracle, okay? Eat the bird, eat the cinnamon rolls. Rather than focusing on what you don't have, recognize what you do have and find joy in it. Next thing is take the next right step. Uh, also in the book of Numbers, God gave them manna daily. He didn't give them like, he didn't, he, it wasn't like a Sam's Club deal where like, hey, here's six months of rolls in one package. It's like, here's one day of roll at a time. So God fed them daily as much as they needed for that day, he gave them that day. And God also led them cloud by day, fire by night. Hey, we're going to go half a mile today. 
Don't worry about going four miles. We're just going half a mile today. God led them along the way. A daily journey, a daily meal, a daily trust in what God was doing. So many times in our lives, we can get so wrapped up in the big picture. Like, where is this all leading that we don't actually make space for what's in front of us that day? So what's it look like to take the next right step for that day? And the idea is that if you, if you chain enough of those days together where you're doing the next right thing over a long period of time, you're going to get to where you're going to go. It could be a two-month journey instead of a 40-year journey. But do the next right thing. And then the last part of that is also just trusting God for the big picture. Like God knew the overall trajectory of their journey. Like we might be in that, that picture where it's just squiggly lines. We don't see an arrow. But God's like, hey, I can zoom out bigger than that. I see where this is all heading. Just trust that the overall trajectory of where your life is heading is good and that I'm with you. And focus on the day-to-day. Let me take care of the big picture, the big trajectory, all that kind of thing. I want to say this too. I gave those five points. Don't complain. Don't dwell on the past. Eat the bird. Take the next right step. Trust God for the big picture. Like, I don't do any of those things well. Like, I'm not coming like, hey, I figured this out, guys. Like, I stink at all of these. I complain all the time. I don't trust the big picture. Like, I'm not good at this. I'm preaching to myself here. But here's what I'll say. When cinnamon rolls are falling from the sky, when it's like cloudy with a chance of meatballs going down, and the cinnamon rolls every day just come and you're catching them, like, don't get stuck on the fact that it's not fish soup. Just eat the cinnamon roll and enjoy it. Amen. Let's pray.